This is The Philanthropy Show, connecting and inspiring philanthropy. Welcome to The Philanthropy Show. I'm your host, Luann Zaraga-Walters. This is part two of our sit-down, up close and personal, with Maggie Cook-Garcia, a phenomenal woman who she was raised in an orphanage with 60 to 200, Mm -hmm. 60 plus of your own brothers, adopted brothers (laughs) and sisters, eight biological brothers, siblings, and then as well as up to 200 at any given time in the orphanage. She is a successful entrepreneur and author of Mindful Success. At one time, pulling on all of this success from being three months as living a homeless life, um, really learning to see herself as a superhero and what that means in order to be able to give back. And that is a vital training, I think, because you're helping other people see their own <coughs> superhero is probably one of the most significant things that that we can do for each other, mm-hmm. even from a philanthropic standpoint. So when we left off mm-hmm. the last show, I, I had stopped her as she was sharing the story of just a year, year and a half ago, going down to Mexico because her brother had called and there was word that the cartels or somebody may be coming, 50 people were coming to take the kids mm-hmm. from the orphanage. And in this area, it's known for uh, sex trafficking, there are the drug cartels around. At the time of this, there were three cartels that were vying for territory. The military had moved in. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff going on, including the fact that you were sleeping outside with your brother, each mm-hmm. with a gun, on the mm-hmm. concrete floor, tied with a rope around her waist to a dog so that if the dog was alerted, it would wake you up. So right. this is going on for 30 days. How does this story end, Maggie? You were prepared with a gun next to you to have to use a weapon mm-hmm. to prevent anyone from taking these children? Mm-hmm. I was just, um, it was like my recurring nightmares came true mm. from college, from all the way up until college. And, and I was willing to give my life. Wow. And, and I, I could feel that they, there was relief there because I have this energy that kids felt safe. Mm-hmm. They would tell me, uh, you have brought peace to, to this home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this energy about nobody's gonna harm you. Mm-hmm. Um, don't worry, everything's gonna be okay. The, the part of being there for that long, it was very, very tough and we had to tell they, they had two leaders there, and, and I had to speak with them separately and tell them, listen, don't show fear, because they can, they can feel fear, the they kids. can see fear. Mm-hmm. And so we really um, dealt with that in a way that, that it was very successful and not trying to, I know kids feel too, but because we were smiling and we, everything was okay, uh, not many people knew I was carrying the gun with me at all times. Um, mostly just the, the adult people that, that were there. Um, but that, that experience was life-changing. Uh, at one point, a man was able to break in and took a kid. The uh, military was called in. They flew in with their helicopters, and they caught the man. Wow. I don't think a lot of people dared because of what I had set in motion. But they came in. Uh, they grabbed the guy, returned the kid, and they set up different snipers in different positions in the property, and I felt like instead of saving five, I saved all 31 kids. Mm. 
-hmm. And I was so happy and I was so, and that was the point where I was able to, they're in good hands, mm -hmm. they're taken care of, the federales were there. I have video of the federales coming, coming in every night. We, we designated two cabins for them. They would stay there all night. They would patrol mm -hmm. the orphanage with their lights on. The kids loved it. Mm -hmm. They felt very safe. Yes, yes. And, and they had cabins where they, we, every morning I would make sure to get up at 5 a.m. Or, or early and make their coffee and cookies so they feel like welcome to come back, come back, you know? Mm. And um, they didn't want to be videoed mm -hmm. or taken pictures of, but I did snap some and I did take a little bit of video of their uh, patrolling. Uh-huh. But once that was set in motion, I felt uh, at peace and I was able to come back to tend the business after that. What inspires you to maintain that level of strength and bravery and courage? I think it's, it's a life, especially an innocent life, mm. a kid's life. Um, being a kid and being in a situation where you can't control is very difficult. And you have to wait your whole life until you reach 17 or 18 to leave and do whatever you want to do. And if you're stuck in a situation that you can change, if I'm the, someone that can help you change that situation, I will mm -hmm. because I was there. And I think it's something that my brother really understands, and that's why this program is run so much better, mm -hmm. because he suffered even more so than I did differently from growing up in that place, but he understands that. Mm -hmm. And now when you go in there, you just feel this amazing, overwhelming peace and sense of love and sense of care, and the kids are smiling mm -hmm. so much that the Child Protective Services in Mexico reached out to him, and they are... Um, setting up him, his program as a model for all orphanages oh, in Mexico. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's really great. Yes. Oh, well, it's, it's definitely something that you've been able to draw on from your background because you, in a more substantial way, empathy doesn't even seem like the right word, but you, you completely understand where the kids are because you've been there mm -hmm. and you've seen some of the things that well you've been through that your siblings went through you know at one point you talk about how you learn to come from a background of believing that there's always something better because this story has a good ending and that she stuck it through when the federales came in and you were able to know confidently that everyone was safe yes. those 31 children but there weren't always good endings as mm -hmm. you were growing up. Mm -hmm. So how do you uh, how do you work through that and still hold on to the knowing that there's always something better? You know, it, this is a strong. It's it's almost like a uh, you have to set that within you. It's gonna it has has to be a mantra. Mm. If you even if you don't believe it at first, but if you say it and continue to say it and continue to say it, it almost becomes believable, which that is what you want. Because when you said something positive in, in, in line mm -hmm. to, and have it grow, it becomes so. And There's I think by setting intentions and words, it's very powerful in changing someone's life, especially a life that seems um, helpless, hopeless. Mm -hmm. Well, and we talked about that in the first show too, the, the power of words affecting your belief and then how important those beliefs are in actually showing up and mm -hmm. how you live your life and how you accept the things of life you also talk about that there are no accidents right 
no accidents. And I just want to read another quote from Maggie's book. Um, and you, you call it new rockets of desire, which I think is a, just a great phrase. Rockets of desire. It has impact. It has mm -hmm. power. But she says, you know, when, when something undesired happens in your life, and I'm reading this because in philanthropy, there's a lot of undesired, mm -hmm. which is why we have nonprofit organizations, which is why we have philanthropists who are working towards that better in mm -hmm. society. When, you, when, when something undesired happens in your life, you can ask yourself, how is this meant to make me better? Hmm. Or what does this mean to teach me? Mm -hmm. Taking that opportunity to be self-reflective and to really go inside that that can be scary too mm -hmm. because sometimes it's yeah. easier to say this is an injustice this is a wrong mm -hmm. I'm mad as hell and I want to do something mm -hmm. but how do we then find that power to go inside mm -hmm. how do we take that reflective time I think that you know like Temple said is through the inconveniences that your angels guide you through the better things Temple Hayes is a is a minister at First Unity in St. Petersburg Florida mm -hmm. I want to continue and um, it's important to know that no matter how bad things may get or can get that the good always outweighs the bad by hundredfold mm -hmm. if we choose to focus there but it has to start within mm -hmm. this is a thing it's a spark of light it's like almost you know, you live in this darkness because I lived in depression for three years, mm -hmm. deep depression. And once you have this little crack of light come in and it hits you right where it needs to hit you, and you open that a little bit more and you feed that a little bit more and you feed it more and more and more, the most important thing for all of us that we must do every single day is that you go to sleep, you wake up, you forget. Mm. So setting reminders to remember how that spark felt and how can you continue to feed the fire to that. I love that. To remember, to amplify that every single day. I love that. Becomes something that revolutionizes, evolves within you. You know, there's a, there's a, a couple of new things happening in the nonprofit community. One is that uh, Beth Cantor and Eliza Sherman have written a book, The Happy Healthy Nonprofit, which is uh, designed to make you take a step back and reflect on self-care. And it's not just about taking time for yourself, but it's also about recognizing the good that you've done, that others have done, that you're doing together, mm -hmm. that's, that's happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few years ago, my wife really brought into our lives the practice of gratitude, mm -hmm. which we've turned into the 28-day gratitude workout, which is a, both an online course and a book. But that practice is to set the intention, as you're mm -hmm. saying, to every morning, mm -hmm. what can I be grateful for in the midst of all of this? Mm -hmm. And that can be challenging. You know, is, we've got a political climate that's just amazing right now with that. And mm -hmm. there's a practice that, and I'm, and I'm <laughs> sometimes when we do shows or when we speak, we the message is for ourselves. So believe me when I know that I'm hearing this too yeah. as I'm saying it. But the practice is to be grateful mm -hmm. for what you have. And this woman is such a mirror to everybody. And that makes me think, what do you think is your purpose or is there any one purpose? What do you think is one of the driving forces behind why you're here? You know, that's the greater question that everybody looks for. Absolutely. Meaning in life, purpose. It's the ultimate thing, really. And I'm in a journey where I'm still discovering. Um, several years ago, I was traveling from West Virginia to Virginia to visit my brother with my sister who had come in from Mexico. And 
we went out to a party and something told me to stay pure. Hmm. And I had no idea what that means. I just felt elated. I was walking around the rooms like, um, just like this, like feeling that I was floating. I don't know what it was. And I didn't understand what pure meant. So I decided, okay, um, I'm not gonna drink. Everybody started drinking. And by the end of the night, Juan Gaspar, which is my brother, he wasn't drinking because he ha works for the company that, you know, he can't do that and he's on call. So. so I said, Juan, you know what? The girls are really begging for me to take a shot with them. I'm gonna go take a shot with them. And I give him my keys to my BMW and he, you know, ha is happy. And we go there and the bartender, I literally see pour him, pour, him pouring, pouring the drinks. And I take the shot with them. Uh, leave the bar or it was a restaurant bar and leave the place i get in the back of my beamer and my brother starts to drive the drive was about an hour away from where he lived to go back home and during that trip something happened where i don't remember anything wow and um what happened was i woke up the next day it was about eight or so in the morning and i woke up and i was dressed in pajamas and i Everybody was surrounding me. Maria, my sister Juan, my, my sister Maria Juan was surrounding me and her friends that she had brought in from Mexico with her, Maria. And I, I said, what's going on? And she said, Maria is a medical doctor in Mexico. And she says, we believe you died last night. Wow. And my brother apparently stopped the car. He, my sister was trying to fill my paws. They were fighting for whoever wanted to fill my paws. So they pulled me out of the car and the road and my sister said, finally, you came too, or came back. And I said, you guys are real Mexicans. Why didn't you take me to a hospital? <laughs> you know, because that's how we think. We just want to try, try to take care of the problem. We don't think like, oh, there's a hospital. It's America, let's go to a hospital. So, you know, and I'm just like, wow. So they're telling me this and I'm like, okay, great. I didn't die, I'm here. And we go to a Mexican restaurant for breakfast and one of my sister's friend, her name was Emilia. She gets a message, a call from, I, this is the first time I've met Emilia. She gets a message from her mother in Mexico, which I've never met. I don't even know who the lady is. And she starts to cry and she says, Maggie, look. And I look at her message and I start to cry and I share this with everybody. And she says in the message, are you okay? And I said, yes. She says, well, uh, God woke me up last night at three in the morning or so to pray for you because of an accident that you had in the back of your vehicle. Wow. And everybody's crying at this point. And she says, and God has a message for you. And he says, you are the girl of my eyes. I have heard you even from before. And I know what he, she was saying because I've been asking for God to reveal something that's gonna change the world, that's gonna make a huge impact. And he says, but everything has its time, be patient, rest in me. Wow. Everything, you have nothing if it isn't for me. And so that is very impactful for me. And I think this is a lesson for anybody else. Sometimes you have to rest mm -hmm. and release everything and wait. And I think right now I'm in a journey of philanthropy where I, with uh, First Unity Spir Spiritual Campus in Temple mm -hmm. Hayes, we started a, moving called, a movement called uh, Global Peace Workers, mm -hmm. where we go around countries and even here in America, helping people to go back to the peace because when you have peace centered, 
-hmm. You get rid of everything, disease, everything. And I want to come back to a couple more of, of the examples of philanthropy that you're involved in, including this, but we got to take a break. So when we come back, more Amazing with Maggie Cook. It's said that a habit can be built in three weeks, so we've added a fourth week to anchor the experience. Over 28 days, you will do 28 different exercises designed to generate a greater awareness of all the good in your life. It might be within you, the value of other people, the blessings in your work, home, family, the good you're having flowing in your material life. Gratitude works in every area of our lives and its benefits start immediately. We all have different areas that are easier for us to be more grateful for. And we have areas in our lives that sometimes we struggle to find any good. These exercises in this course are designed to cover a wide array of these areas to give us practice in them all. And if you find that some are particularly challenging, be grateful. You've just discovered an area of potential growth. See how this works? So we will preview the exercises in short two to three minute videos to explain the intention behind each exercise and what each exercise can do to help change your life, create more peace, bring more joy, richer experiences, more meaningful relationships, and countless untold blessings into each and every day. Each day has a workout sheet in the resource section that you can download and print for the 28-day workout. To really benefit from this course, make it a personal commitment. Only you can benefit or not from being true to your daily exercises. Are you ready to unleash the power of gratitude in your life? Enroll today in the 28-day gratitude workout and start practicing exercises that make every day count. Welcome back to The Philanthropy Show. Having a wonderful discussion in our part two with our guest, uh, Maggie Cook Garcia, who was just talking about all of the different means of being philanthropic, but you know, I, I wanted to go back to your college days too, because you had some experiences of philanthropy there. I think there was one story of walking down the street and seeing somebody who had a need mm -hmm. that you recognized. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. Well, I was, I was born into and growing up with my father often hitting the streets and in the, in the city, uh, which was two hours away, and he often approached people that didn't have legs or they had some sort of sickness or had polio or something. People that genuinely looked very poor and beggars on the streets and he always approached, he saw the medical part that he could heal or cure mm -hmm. and help. And I think that really touched me mm -hmm. because that made a great impact because I saw the difference that it, it made. I saw the before and after mm -hmm. of hundreds of thousands of people that he helped, but to see them how they were on the streets and then to see them what he had done mm -hmm. and, and once they had fine feet or once they had whatever illness, the tumor or whatever cured and their smiles and their gratitude and appreciation of that. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he had a trickling effect 
on doctors who just wanted to give medical attention to want to do surgeries for free and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. So, you to me- You grew up with that environment then. I, I grew up with seeing, mm -hmm. seeing that outside of the orphanage of the people that he helped. And um, it, it really truly made a huge impact to me. And one time uh, when I was in, living in West Virginia, I had worked very hard and I had earned my very first pair of Air Jordans, <laughs> which were awesome. The white <laughs> ones, you know, with the little, and I was so happy, brand new socks, Jordans, and I was doing a run for, for my uh, business and it starts to rain and I'm walking down the street and there's this homeless person, woman on the street and the water's hitting her. She's kind of in a corner. The water's hitting her. It's really not covered, you know. And she has socks, but they have holes on them and they're wet. And then I immediately ask if I can give her my umbrella and she says yes. And then I looked at my, sh my shoes and I saw her feet and I said, um, would you mind if, would you like some shoes? And she, she was like, yes. And I took my shoes off, put my socks on her, put my shoes on her, and she was very happy. I remember walking away, and the, the, the rain was hitting me, and I was just looking up, and it was the most elating feeling that I had, and I was just um, very um, elated, you know, spiritually wow. by that. And I walked, uh, I walked to a home where I was staying uh, with a friend, and the first moment I walked in, I got screamed because I, I let Where go are your of shoes. Yeah, I, let, I got let go of my Air Jordans, and she, and she was like, "You love those shoes so much. Why did you give them up?" And then, and then my father popped in because he used to tell me, "Don't give your stuff away," you know. But that was one of the most beautiful experiences that I've ever had because. I, even though I had something that I really wanted, but I was able to put it to much greater use because I'm telling you, mm -hmm. those Air Jordans even had the water protectant on it. Mm -hmm. So she was <laughs> They were styling. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you are such an example of someone who lives what their moral compass is telling them to do. You follow it completely. And I can only think of the, even just the stories that she's told in these two shows about how impactful your father has been. Mm -hmm. Both is showing you an example by helping mm -hmm. <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of people whom he didn't know and walking up and saying, can I help you? Mm -hmm. Just because he felt called to. Mm -hmm. And then also at, on the flip side, telling you, you know, your, your dream is gone mm -hmm. or you're never gonna amount to anything. Mm -hmm. Such a teacher mm -hmm. for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. That double-sided and, and this is your father whom, mm -hmm. you know, this was a big man who yeah. did a lot of I looked amazing, up to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How how do we I, I think sometimes we want to paint people in a corner of either they're good or they're bad. Mm -hmm. So how do we look at humanity in a different way to say there are multiple sides of us, not excusing the bad behavior, mm -hmm. but moving through it for our good. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm asking? Yes. Help me clarify that. You know, there's a saying that nothing, it's either good or bad, it just is. 
And I think that as spiritual beings, when we're able to look at something and the neutrality of it, not letting what we see affect us in a way, only with compassion that we can actually move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, the thing is, we're so beautiful as spiritual beings because we all come from different experiences and different backgrounds, and we're so unique that we've never, there's never been another one of me or you. Mm-hmm. And so to, for you to come forth with your perspective and for me to come forth with mine, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. And even though if one of us was bad, it's still a beautiful thing because if I was bad, I'm your teacher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if I'm good, I'm also your teacher. Yes. So it's all about perspective and how you see that and how you take those lessons, if you're willing to be aware and listen to that, mm-hmm. to, so that you can grow and evolve as a beautiful, divine, spiritual being that you are. And I, and I want everybody to hear what she's saying because this is a woman who's also lived her life by when it's needed, keeping a gun by her side and a dog nearby so that somebody doesn't kidnap children. So it's not just, you know, think these woo-woo thoughts and then let the world be. There are times when action is necessary. Mm-hmm. But but to keep this focus, and you're such an example of the balance that it takes to really walk through those times in life when we are called to act on behalf of mm-hmm. somebody else, but also keeping our own mm-hmm. sanity in check, which leads me back to your uh, one of your many philanthropic means that you and Temple Hay Senior Minister at First Unity of St. Petersburg. Tell us about that um, that organization that you formed. This is just in the beginning stages. It's called Global Peace Workers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically a movement where anybody can join and it could begin with simple meditation. If you took two or three uh, minutes out of your day, out of your meditation, if you meditate and have a sense of awareness of that. And because really, to start something big, it's very important to know that it has to start right here because mm-hmm. you can't change the world if you're not willing to change yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is very powerful. That is so powerful. And if and to bring awareness to that, if I bring awareness to, to have a sense of peace today, then my day, imagine how it's, it's going to go. Yeah. If you just feed onto that and feed onto that. But now it's not only me. Now it's the group of children that I visited in the, in the Haiti orphanage, mm-hmm. you know, and sharing my experiences and sharing that I was there and, I, and this is what I was able to do. So can you, sense of peace. Mm-hmm. But my understanding of giving peace, it's so broad because it could be many, 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 in many forms and ways. And it could be through actually providing a product, mm-hmm. clean water, mm-hmm. food. I can't tell you many times how much peace I would have felt Yes. If I had food in my tummy, if I didn't have that agony and that suffering or water or a nice pair of shoes that where I didn't prickle my feet with rocks growing up. So there's so many ways. And that's where we want to call on to people to become a peace worker, to, to exercise that within themselves first and, and just come forth and see if they want to do something more. You have a clear definition of peace based on your experience of not having peace. Yes. That's kind of like the definition we sometimes use of compassion. The way I can be compassionate is because I have felt the sorrow or the tragedy or the loss or something. And, and when somebody else goes through something similar to that, I have compassion for that because I understand the pain of that. Have you ever thought about how your life would be different if you didn't grow up in an orphanage? I'm very thankful that I grew up in an orphanage mm-hmm. and I still have people 
contact me and tell me that were my friends and are still my friends. Um, but back then when I was very successful with the business before it was sold and said, how in the world you didn't end up in prison hmm. from your experiences? And it's all a matter of choice. It's really all a matter of choice. I have plenty of adopted brothers and sisters that are in prison. Wow. But it's what you make it, what you, it, it's a choice that you have to make and it's very simple. It, it can start with a little spark of something good, a little spark of light that just ignites and continues to grow. Are you still running the orphanage? Is that, your brother I know is? Yeah, he's, he's mainly running it right okay. now and I am a source of support, uh, inspiration, mm -hmm. guidance, um, anything that's needed. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I paid all the attorney fees for all the kids in order for them to donated a lot of money uh, for um, I donated uh, attorney fees and things like that for him to be able to take custody of these kids so mm -hmm. that they wouldn't go anywhere else because mm -hmm. those kids feel like they're in an actual home with mm -hmm. a mom and dad even though there's 30 some kids there but that's a lot less than 200 though oh my gosh we learned that and he we t we speak uh frequently and we know that we will never have more than that we mm -hmm. will give funds and support others to you know organizations to do so but there's just so much that you that goes on that the thing that i never had with my parents with was the one-on-one -on -one. so i always said i grew myself up mm -hmm. or we grew each other up so it's part of um understanding that that perspective and be able to change it now that we are adults and how we can service that gosh there's so much there there's a there's an example in a reading that I'm going to do my last reading with um, with Maggie from this incredible book that she talks about how we can how we can relate to each other on a heart-to-heart -heart level is going to be my interpretation of it because I think especially right now it's so very important to do it and and you write about this being upon first meeting with somebody but I think it's also in continued interaction because people can surprise us am I the only one who feels that way no I think that people can surprise us and we go whoa but then we can also surprise other people as well and what she says about this is when I begin to judge someone I imagine their bodies evaporate and all I see is their light shining across to mine mm -hmm. I acknowledge that I am beginning to interact with a beautiful divine being I am connected to them in spirit and it feels so exhilarating mm -hmm. when did you start that practice it's uh, I started that from the need to feel good immediately about anyone that I met because I learned early business years that the moment that you meet somebody that we begin to make all these assumptions mm -hmm. about them mm -hmm. good or bad I don't even know where they come from uh, possibly from our experience in the past if somebody looked like a like our somebody, filters yeah, yeah somebody that, if somebody came to me and looked like someone that I met in the past that I hated mm -hmm. you know let's say then I'm gonna have mixed feelings about this person not let him interpret himself purely mm -hmm. how this person is but even in our um, errors or our our not our imperfections mm -hmm. there's still a deep down this light within us and if we learn to recognize that um, if you look at your bodies you know your bones your blood vessels everything is just a meat suit you mm -hmm. know 
and da down really beneath beneath everything, even the polarity of this world, male, female, mm -hmm. that's who we really are, we're that light. Mm -hmm. And we are just battled and baffled by the fight that we have with our minds and the interpretations and all these things that just bombard us. Mm -hmm. But what if we could just say, I'm here, I'm light, and I'm at peace with myself, and I see light in you. And I like that, and I think that it's, it's so, uh, I'm gonna say that I'm thinking that there may be some people too who say, yeah, but what about those people who are the rapists? What about those people who are the drug dealers? What about those people who are kidnapping kids? How do we see the light in them? How do we, how do we see, how do we separate that? You know, there's this thing that I'm not crazy about, and I know that a lot of people have said, love the sinner, not the sin, and I don't necessarily believe in the sin. But in a, in a way, it's almost like saying, how do we, how do we look past the behavior, mm -hmm. but not let it affect us? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to look past that behavior mm -hmm. in yes. order to allow damage to come into my mm -hmm. life, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I'm really putting her into some metaphysical stuff. Good. Yes. So I help, love it. help me with that. Well, I think that the the one of the major powerful ways that I don't. We all judge people initially unless until we're aware of that. Is to understand that no matter if a person is good or evil, 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 is that they are on a journey for themselves, just as I am on a journey for myself. And everything they do has consequences mm -hmm. that are meant to teach this person something great about everything bad that they're doing. Wow. And also they're my teacher. Mm -hmm. Because if they had did something to make me feel a little bit of bad in here, that that's something that I need to, is reflecting back to me that I need to work with. Mm -hmm. So for evil and things that happen in my life that are very dramatic, they, they have happened. Mm -hmm. My response to it is I see you, I see the light in you, mm -hmm. but you can stay over there. <laughs> you can stay over there and I'm okay. I send you light. Keep on your journey, learn in your journey. And I'm gonna protect others yes. if that happens to come yes. in, but still doing it in a, and that's where, that's where we're walking right now, you know, in, a, in our current climate is, is looking for that unity, looking for that unification mm -hmm. within this country, which is so completely different than many others that are fighting more serious, well, I don't want to say more serious, in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, we may have a different atmosphere in America or in some some division, uh, some subdivisions or some communities, it's far worse than others. But I think we're all at this point in America of going, okay, how do we communicate with each other regardless of where we are on that spectrum? Mm -hmm. How do we communicate with each other? How do we uh, maintain the familial relationships and those with our friends and whatnot? And it's seeing that light and and learning to walk in other people's shoes, or mm -hmm. learning to understand yes. what might be their journey. Mm -hmm. Maggie Cook Garcia, her book again, Mindful Success, look for it on Amazon. This is a read, I'm telling you, I, I sent her an email right away. I got this book and I thought, oh, I'll just read a couple of chapters during my morning quiet time and I couldn't put it down. Four hours, I was done. I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. I couldn't stop reading. I was, I was like, I was getting an injection. I was just like, oh, and then when I had to stop to take our little dog out, I'm like, oh, it's a break. No, I can't. I got to come back. 
So this is definitely a page turner. You're going to want to uh, to get on Amazon. And thank you for being on the show. Yes, thank you I've very much. I've loved having you here. Thank you. Two, this is going to be one that you're going to repeat and share with all of your friends and family. Because wow, what a way to start 2017.